Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning and or good afternoon. Yes, hey there, young lady. I don't know what's happening to the intro. Yeah, I was waiting for intro too. So, hello everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Mind Sisters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor. I'm Michelle Pache, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Wright. We warmly welcome you to the show and thank you for choosing to be with us. Today is March 30th, 2016. Our call in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk with Michael. I encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to personally strengthen and deepen your practice of forgiveness. So, let's re-welcome Michael in the process of uh, experiencing Aramaic forgiveness. Well, thank you, young lady, and thank you for being willing to uh, handle the switchboard today. We are on the road, actually, Jeannie's driving as we're heading into town to take care of a meeting and, uh, and a couple of errands that we need to do. And so we're honored that everybody chooses to be with us each day that you choose to be with us. And our uh, our purpose is that of learning how to truly function as human beings where there's not a whole lot of human life left on the earth at this point. A lot of bodies that look like they should be human, but... Of course, you have to ask yourself the question. The question's really key here. What is human life? And I have never been able to find an answer in words for that question. However, I have been able to find an experiential answer for the question. And the question is, have you ever held a newborn child? If you have, then I just invite you to Sit back and take a minute and be with the experience of holding a newborn. And then allow yourself to tap into what that experience really is. And when you do, you'll find that the answer is some variation on the theme of love. At least that's the answer we've gotten from tens of tens of thousands of people all over the day pardon me, all over the world. Today, yesterday, for decades, we've been asking that question. And the answer is always the same. And so the question becomes key in the process. And you know, you've heard me say so often on the show over the years, for many years, in my workshops decades ago, the, uh, the blessing that I feel that I am honored to have, and that is that getting to interact with so many people who are doing the work of healing that are working with the forgiveness process becomes such a key because in so doing people develop the ability to ask the right questions. You know, if you don't know how to answer the, ask the question, what is a human life? You're probably not going to search for the answer. And so the question becomes really key. And, and I get the blessing of working with tens of thousands of people all over the globe, and questions I never thought of looking at, I get asked. And then I get to, because there's a power in each of us that holds the answer to everything, I get to engage in the answer to that question. But it's really the question that's most important. And I was quite excited yesterday. I was doing some research on Einstein, and they came across a, a quote from Albert Einstein, which I'd not seen before, but it just really points to exactly what we're talking about here. And here's what he says. If I had an hour to solve a problem and my life depended on the solution, I would spend the first 55 minutes determining the proper question to ask. For once I know the proper question, I could solve the problem in less than five minutes. Pretty cool input from a genius mind like Albert Einstein. And he's right on with that. And so if you ask yourself the question, what are we here for? Who are we humans? And what's it really all about? Well, it's another answer that Einstein came up with. 
as he was asking himself the question is, what's it all about? And I guess, uh, I guess he'd have been saying, what's it all about Albert, not what's it all about Alfie? And his answer to that question is, strange is our situation here upon the earth. Each of us comes for a short visit, not knowing why, yet sometimes seeming to be in a divine purpose. From the standpoint of daily life, however, there is one thing we know, and that is that man is here for the sake of other men. That is, if we're functioning as humans. And we're honored and we're delighted to be here for you, to have this opportunity to interact with you and support you in this awesome project of learning first century Aramaic forgiveness and all of the corollary tools that come along with the Aramaic understanding. And so... Michelle, do we have anybody in the uh, phone queue or anybody with a uh, question in the chat room? We do. We've got a, a caller in queue, and so I'll put on their microphone. It's area code 856. You're on the air. Who do we have, and where are you calling from? Hi, Michael. It's David from Pennsylvania. Ah, welcome. Thank you. Glad to hear your voice. I, thank you very much. I'm glad to Glad to be on with you. I, um, as you and hopefully some of the callers will remember, I called in a couple of days ago. At the and I got on at the very end of the uh, conversation. So this is my reach recalling in. Um, right. Yeah. So I uh, just a quick recap. Someone very close to me, who I've known since she was a newborn, uh, had a psychotic episode Thursday which I was the first one to kind of recognize and then saw her in the hospital in that state and many years ago almost 20 years ago I had a similar not I won't say that it's similar but I had my own psychotic episode and so when I went to see her I have been I was in a um, it brought up stuff for me that was and I've been doing this work for quite a while, so I'm pretty adept at being able to say, okay, something's being resonated in me, uh, triggered by the outside. But this did not feel uh, like a trigger. It it felt like something just big and and overwhelming, and it was terror. And um, so I had a lot of panic and terror, and I left that emergency room, uh, or the actually, I, but on Saturday I went to the the uh, psych ward, and um, didn't last very long in that visit. And uh, you know, my daughter was uh, relatively close. She was in a not close to the. She was in the very downstairs of the hospital. I had explained that. Uh, this person had um, checked into a uh, facility to kind of get some help with grieving because she lost a parent recently. I've also lost a parent recently and also uh, lost a job and or separated from my job in February. And I've been home a lot. And so I think um, being home a lot and... Uh, um, doing a lot of work, do, doing a lot of work like spiritual work and and kind of work on psychology, some personal development stuff was all well and good during the day, but when this crisis hit, I was uh, I had panic like this was happening to me and not to her, and uh, I talked to you and I sent you a text. If I is it okay if I kind of just summarize? Uh, part of the text exchange that we had? Sure, please, go for it. So this was um, me writing to you, uh, and this is about healing. And I, I want to say this first. I was I sent you a text just a few minutes ago saying that I would be on the call, but I was not in a state of crisis now. And then I opened a letter from the uh, state about I've been selected to participate in a mandatory unemployment 
uh, program for helping. And they're like, we're looking forward to helping you find your next job. And I just saw you have been selected to mandatory, and I felt that panic again, <laughs> that crisis. Bingo! Again. It was like, I, I don't know if I, <laughs> if I have like a, is this like a, a, a genetic memory of a draft letter? <laughs> you know, what is this? Um, so, uh, like I wrote, it sounds like everything that had been opened up in, um, in the experience with your friend in the, uh, the psych ward, uh, has left you in a rather tender place where that energy is just beneath the surface and it has to do with threat. So just the perception that this letter might be of some sort of threat coming from the state. And it's, it's interesting when we live in a world when there's a fiction, something that doesn't even exist, called the state of fiction that men made up, and people hear from them and they automatically, it resonates terror for them. It's just, it's just an interesting uh, dynamic. But uh, it sounds like uh, your ongoing process of opening these layers that and when you shared the other day that uh, you know you were in a pretty severe state of alcoholism just before you went through that psychotic break that you'd been working on getting free of alcohol that uh, you know the alcohol was designed and used to keep that kind of pain that kind of fear at bay and uh, and you've been working your way through it in the couple of decades that I've known you as you've as you've moved into that that's right on track and it sounds like you're ready for the next level yes i i i um i appreciate that and i appreciate your support it's been tremendous um and i have you know as a function of doing this work for 20 years i've also assembled a nice support team around me um and i think that happens for anyone who does the work over time is that you find like-minded people of different uh degrees of reliability and, and, uh, and expertise that, that, that can be uh, relied on. And you're my, you've been just tremendous, Michael. And I, I, um, I count on you and Jeannie and the community, um, as kind of a North star for me in the direction that I know I want to go in. Um, so I, the interest, you know, in AA, they talk about creating lists of resentment so that we can begin to take responsibility that the resentment energy is inside us and we need to be free of that resentment energy if we're going to be live in a sober way, in a healthy way. And one of the things is they say institutions, you know, and I, I, I think it's interesting that you say a fiction. I think that's really useful because a lot of these, because these institutions are in fact fictions. Um, I, I can imagine going into the state, to this office and Looking at, I mean, we're only talking about a few hundred dollars here that I've received from them at this point, and I, I, I can imagine going in there and explaining, you know, and meeting with a person and being treated with compassion and being treated just fine, but that's not the response that came up when I saw the letter. It was just this, you know, amorphous threat of uh, a giant uh, institution that could uh, take my life or my freedom away, or my family and everything away. Um, as they as they reach out to support you. As they reach out to support me, which is exactly what the program is designed for. And then I went to, oh, well, I must be in shame because I'm unemployed. And and I know uh, that I'm doing my work in the world um, just fine. But those, that energy, as you said, was right beneath the surface. Um, unless you have uh, another thought, I'll just read the text from yesterday between you and I at 7 I sent it to you at 7.25 in the morning is that okay? Go for it please. So I wrote Hi Michael. Hi Michael I had a sweet evening with my wife and daughter this is because you had supported me the day before uh, so I was just giving I, I was giving. I was reaching out to you the following morning the fear slash terror came on through the night came on strong through the night I sweated through my clothes and my sheets and wondered in moments if I ought to go if I ought to consider going to the hospital but never got close to getting out of bed. I put a heating pad on my feet which seemed to ground me. I just dropped my daughter off at her early morning lesson and I can see a number of things that point to healing in process. Not the least of which 
is that I got plenty of sleep last night. And for the first time in years, I went to bed calmly and quietly with my wife at 9.50, cuddling plenty, and the important part, leaving my iPhone downstairs and not using any headphones. Um, you know, these are the, this is a slide, this is some part of the text. This is me making a side observation, which is in moments of intense healing, I've, these are the kinds of things that we've, that I've learned to kind of have checkpoints, you know, to be looking for checkpoints. Am I in healing or am I in trouble? And, and the healing, you know, and the fact that I was able to say, okay, I got sleep. I cuddled with my wife. I went to bed without, and then it was just huge for me. I have, it's been years since I've gone to bed without my phone by my bed or headphones. So going on with the text, also my holistic. Well, let me, let me before you move oh, on from that, let me just, uh, about your side note. So then would having the phone by your bed or a headset, is that kind of like a safety blanket, something that you perhaps even almost addictively used to feel safe? I think it's an addictively, yes, it's an addiction, and it's a, uh, I hadn't given it much thought. I had never thought I shouldn't have this here. I just thought, oh, this is, you know, it might be part of kind of this obsessive need to fix myself. You know, oh, I'm going to have a blanket. I'm going to have a blanket here. I'm going to have the phone here to listen to some kind of, motivational or not or or some kind of healing you know some kind of meditation or something but then it would also be um you know particularly since my mom died i found myself checking facebook and checking uh you know messages a lot and so it was kind of a yeah an addictive and also kind of i don't want to deal with myself i don't want to discover what i'm going to discover by lying here quietly so that sounds like the uh, the layers, I think you're right on track with your assessment that the layers of healing you're going through, yeah, they're stark raving terror, and then I don't need my, my cover. I don't need my uh, distraction. Uh, to me, what that says is you peeled off a layer, and so at another level of comfort with just being with yourself and being able to be with what's inside. So, yeah, I think you're right on. That's a, a powerful sign that you're on track. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and also, um, so going on with the text, I just wrote that also I have a holistic medical practitioner who told me that I was, you know, had done a lot of healing and that I was in um, great balance in my nervous system and my energy. And that was kind of a thing to remind myself that, you know, hey, I'm not the same guy I was 20 years ago. I'm not in the same place. Uh, not even close energetically or in terms of my ability to um, be with myself. And I think, you know, when you talked to, when you were talking to Captain on the last call before, the last call that I was on, you were speaking with Captain before. Right. And you talked about the, the core fear of um, that time of disconnecting from our spiritual essence, disconnecting from ourselves. And that seems to be what this terror relates to. It, it seems to be about that idea of the threat of insanity being the threat of disappearance, the threat of I won't be me, I won't be here anymore. There will be uh, no more Ron, uh, no more David. And, um, uh, that is, you know, what concerned me, you know. The name of my holistic health practitioner is Ron, so I got confused. But there'll be no more David. And um, I hear you. Yeah, and so um, so I've been using uh, some a lot of cayenne pepper, um, drinking tea, and uh, practicing being grounded. Um, and, you know, I'm open to any thoughts that you have because right now I'm feeling um, a little bit like my stuff is up. And, uh, <laughs> I'd love to hear any input you have. Well, my, my first offering would be to uh, 
to notice that it's okay to take care of yourself when that stuff is moving, and it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing instead of running off to to something else. And that's a powerful place to be, to uh, to just remember to uh, to be with yourself and take care of yourself. You know, there's a book out there called The Dark Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. And it's a powerful look at one who thinks they know who they are and functions as that non-being self, as who they're not, the self based in hostility and fear. And then as that self begins to disappear, the terror at the loss of that, and Tim has uh, appropriately named that rather than the title of uh, St. John's book, uh, The Dark Night of the Soul, that it's really the dark night of the ego. The ego says, hey, wait a minute, where, what about me? Hey, wait, wait a minute, what about me? As I'm dissolving that non-being self. And as the conversation went with um, Captain last week, in the middle of a lot of stimulus for what would normally be pain, he's able to stand in that space of connectedness and love. And as those layers peel up and disappear, there is a loss of the self we thought we were. And that's the self that developed out of the power person dynamic that I was talking about the other day with him, that that when we accept messages other than the truth about us as love, I'm not worthy, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, there comes a point, and it's usually about three to four years of age, where that all kind of coagulates in the mind and becomes a picture of who we think we are. And when we think we are that self, and that self starts to disappear, there can be a strike of terror that comes. And so it sounds like uh, your your process is wrapped up in a, a lot of deep, deep energy moving, and that's the most important time to open the door for support and to use the tools. I, uh, I shared on the show a couple of weeks ago that, um, and I, and I don't remember at this moment whether there was even a stimulus to it, but, uh, I ended up going into the bedroom and laying down to breathe and asking Jeannie to just come and support me. And I had much as you're talking about this bolt of terror, literally physically feeling the energy in my chest and it was just like whoa where does this come from and to remember that it's all energy if we buy what's behind the energy the thoughts the feelings the terrors the traumas and then we act out of that we can create this whole scenario that makes crazy making time whereas if i recognize whoa there's some terror here I lay down, I breathe, I use the tools that I've got, I ask for support, and I let myself, rather than buying the terror as an actuality that I have to make something out of, I let myself soften and breathe and process through it, then on the other side of it, I'm free of it. And what I noticed in that happening was that I had another level, you know, my, my nemesis, I was almost dead the first uh, few hours of my life from lung problems and lived on a little inhalator and pills for 25 years. And I noticed the next day uh, an ability to take deeper breaths in a different way than any time in my life in all the years of work I've been doing. And it actually put me into a healing crisis and just, and I haven't shared this on the show yet, but just a few nights ago, uh, I was in a deep sleep and had a dream where I was being threatened by someone who wanted to take my life, and I turned around and returned the favor. And uh, it became pretty intense. And even in the dream, I, I was able to stop and realize, whoa, look at this layer coming up, and recognizing that I could, even in the dream, behave out of that was a wake-up call and the incentive to do another level of work. You know, I choose to live differently. I choose to treat myself and others lovingly, gently, and with respect. And yet, in this dream, I wanted to rip this guy's head off. And to me, that was simply a call to do another piece of my work 
on vengeance, which is has been another one of my perennial issues to keep working through. So, you know, what am I going to do with the energy? If I let it run me, I can go into crazy time. If I'm conscious, observe myself. You know, you've heard us talk about it a lot. Become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions. And, know oh, this is an energy that I can take charge of and move through, and I don't have to I don't have to do what it demands I do or feel what it demands I feel. I just need to be with it and embrace it. So it sounds like you're doing an awesome job of that. You've got your wife there supporting you, and here you are with us. You've got Dr. Ron with you, and I know he's an awesome healer. So it sounds like you're right on track for uh, for the next level of cleaning up your world and your life and and for opening the space for this person who had the psychotic break to do the same. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I was dealing with <clears throat> two other uh, people that are close to this person this morning, and I I was moved by my own ability to offer them support. Like, I was in such a state of availability um, and kindness for them without having to go into coaching mode, you know, but just to help them acknowledge you know, um, kind of what they what they were sharing with me, and give them just a gentle kind of idea on how to move through the day. And uh, so that was another sign that I was on the right track. If anybody wants to understand more about that process, they can go to Why Is This Happening to Me Again, the book, and just read the chapter on healing crisis. It's one that I have. Um, internalized over the years. Um, I spent some time this morning and I went through, I spent over, uh, I spent an hour or two on a single worksheet. And in the midst of the worksheet, I um, began to do a mind shifter. And because I was just having trouble developing the thoughts and, um, it, what it came to was the idea that, and my, my worksheet was just about all I wanted to do was have a, enjoy the process of creating the day. I just, looks like I, now I have the worksheet in front of me. Uh, being here in my body and creating in my life today was, was one C, and um, which is the object of my attention. And... Um, I wrote down that I was afraid uh, to go crazy. I had a thought that I was afraid to have too much time, afraid to have not enough time, afraid to not getting the right things done. And I know each of those thoughts is a separate worksheet. Um, when I got down to the, what, how I wanted to punish, <laughs> I said by getting sad or doing overwhelm, which in the past I wouldn't have thought of those as a way to punish, but they're just ways to to avoid um, and then the way to punish myself would be to be getting mad and then um, the the goal that I chose and I, I'll invite you know your feedback is of course why I'm, I'm open to any feedback that you have the goal that I selected or discovered was I want to experience ease and pride of accomplishment ease and pride of accomplishment and I, I couldn't believe it when it came out because, and that's what sent me to doing the um, the mind shifter. Because, and I wrote, I always experience ease and pride of accomplishment. And what I discovered is that those ideas of ease and pride of accomplishment are absolutely set up in my mind as enemies. That, you know, uh, if I tried to say that having ease and pride of accomplishment, I'd get attacked by a power person coming at me. That, that, um, a bomb might go off because the world completely rejects. These are some of my thoughts on the right-hand side of the mind shifter. Uh, the world completely rejects this. You know, just the whole idea that it has to be um, you know, it's like it's just in order for me to have pride of accomplishment, it has to hurt. It has to be difficult. If it's easy, I don't deserve any pride of accomplishment at all. And it's just it seems like there's this um, major conflict there. 
Is that a, is that a family motto? Life's got to yeah. be tough. Life's got to be tough. Work's got to be tough. You didn't earn it. You know, I was I was playing golf the other day with someone who kind of understands me and my approach to life, and and I we there's a, a play in golf where you hit a nice shot. There's a and, and this is a family motto at least on the golf course for us. I don't know how other golf golfers function, but in my family motto, it was hit. I hit a beautiful shot. It's like oh, well, don't blow it or it doesn't count if you don't make the putt. You know, it doesn't kind of, so it's just always a way to to um put it down destroy the good the good positive feeling and, and that a pride of accomplishment, first of all it comes up as that that's a sin. It's a sin to have pride at all. And that um then the idea that I could have pride of accomplishment ease and pride of accomplishment is like worthy of a major attack. Just for having that thought. Right. If you look at, you know, take a, a kind of a synopsis of, of what you just said, the punishments of uh, of sadness and overwhelm and anger and then ease and pride of accomplishment. If you put that all together and you look back to the days when you were drinking a couple decades ago, would they be the things that you'd find yourself wanting to relieve yourself of by taking a drink? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Absolutely. So being being uh, uh, you know recovery Wednesday, it sounds like uh, you're just at the next depth or the next level of vitality that empowers you to go to the next depth of what it is that needs to be healed. And oh you know, God, Michael, that's it. Just you yeah, just part have to of the speak. process. I just have to speak because there's so much garbage in AA about the fourth step. You know, people, and I, and I, I always, <laughs> there's so much garbage and you can tell I have some uh, intensity about it. It's just people say, you know, people act like the fourth step has got to be this arduous, you know, awful thing. And and, and I've, I've been one who kind of evangelizes against that, you know, that, no, you know, the fourth step, but the fourth step for those of you who don't know is where we, um, uh, take an inventory, a personal inventory of our lives. And and there's just all this nonsense notice, in it. Notice the word. Notice the word that goes along with the inventory. A fearless inventory. Right. Fear. Fear. So it's fearless. The vibration is fear. Correct. Yeah. And so yep. it and sounds so, like this person who went through the episode has given you a pretty powerful gift of taking you to the next depth and right back to those early times when uh, those things weren't too easy to deal with. So it sounds like just right on track. I'm just enjoying a, a bit of a release from a breath here, but thank you. Awesome. And, you know, Gail has been with us through all the, uh, the 12-step work that she done, we've done, and I'm not sure if she's, uh, if she's here now. If she is, Gail, do you have any input? Michelle, do we have Gail with us? Oh, hey, uh, I apologize. I was in a room with a very low fan, and so I didn't hear you. Um, I have someone with a hand up, so I hope it's her. Hang on here. And maybe while you're looking there, uh, Jeannie had, and Jeannie's got her hand up at a 423 number, and she had a a thought or a question for uh, for David as well. So maybe tap her in, and then we'll see if if, uh, Gail is there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here now. Do what you need to do. I didn't understand the the speech. It was muffled. Go ahead, go ahead, Gail. Uh, Jeannie's not turned on yet. Okay, I was um, I was just thrilled uh, with all the processing that was going on with David, and um, and how he correlated everything that was going through with the four step. Um, I couldn't um, 
I didn't know what the question was or what you wanted me to comment on. I was just wondering, uh, Gail, if you had any input uh, since we uh, you know, brought up the fourth step in looking at that idea of uh, fearful, fearless inventory and uh, how that all connects, just whether you had any thoughts or input on it. I do. It, it connects beautifully. I think the, the four-step inventory, um, and we call it the fearless moral inventory, and what that has been defined for me for, as meaning is a fact-finding, fact-facing mission, going inside, um, examining our thinking, um, and, and then talking about our thinking errors in, in step five and then releasing those in, in six and seven. Um, we're asked in step six, you know, um, are we ready to let go of whatever we found that is objectionable? And I usually do a resounding hell yeah, because my thinking isn't working anymore. The thinking that I um, examined in my fourth step, um, what we examine in our fourth step is our resentments, our fears, our sex conduct, which is basically self-centered fear and um, sex conduct, selfish sex conduct. <laughs> which produces a lot of shame, guilt, and remorse, and, and then harms them to others. And then we look at our resentments, and like David said, um, we take responsibility for the fact that our resentments are ours. That's our thinking. That's an internal process. And um, we look at our thinking, and we, we see the patterns of thinking, because um, kind of like what you say, Michael, you say, I've been through this experience 87 times with 42 different people, um, when we list our resentments, we find out that we have a tendency to replicate the same experiences with the same people. They might have a different name and a different address, but we have a tendency to relive those experiences. And it comes down to um, power person, um, uh, power person um, dynamics. Dynamics. That was the word right. that I was looking right. for, yeah. So, yeah, right right on target. Um, and we do unload a lot of the, those power person dynamics we're looking at, you know, where they, they came from. Um, I used to call them um, family of origin issues, you know, drilling down to the family of origin issues and why we replicate those with all the other different people. And then we release that in six and seven. So, yeah, right on. And I was having a major meltdown two weeks ago. Um, on the show as well, and it was a very powerful releasing show, and um, being able to take um, the 12 steps and being able to take the Aramaic forgiveness process and correlate it and combine it and and have support from both communities is amazing. Awesome. You know, and if you look from the... Uh, uh, let me just throw in one thought, uh, uh, David, before you go forward, but if you look, um, you know, you were in um, Laws of Living recently, and if you look at that whole, the way that the inventory idea is expressed in AA, we know that if I say don't think about the color of your car, what resonates is think about the color of your car, and it would seem obvious that uh, the reason why it's become uh, called a fearless moral inventory is because for most people to take an inventory is a terrifying thing for them to do to really look inside and to to own those things and so the attempt at being courageous has turned into a, a reflection in regulatory speech of is still connected to fear and you know uh, maybe in for individual practitioners working with the 12 steps to uh, to encourage people to take a courageous inventory and to really let go of that fear becomes a, and, and that might actually be one of the biggest pieces in the inventory because all of the insanity is based in fear is to really be able to take an inventory of fear that people have and instead of pretending fearlessness if it's there to just own it and you know it sounds uh david like that's exactly what you're uh doing with this whole process yes and i am i can you hear me am i am i still on i can hear you go ahead yes yeah i was okay. just saying that it, it um, sounds like you're, i i hit my mute button there for a second but it sounds that's like what it was that it that got me okay um that uh <laughs> that got me um I loved your distinction about for individual practitioners, and I will absolutely um, proceed in my 
work with other people in recovery to uh, use the courageous word and to have that, you know, in that individual work. But I, I wouldn't advise anybody to go out and start raising their hand and saying we need to change the 12 steps now. If that's ever going to happen, I promise okay. I won't be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I but I do believe that that's how uh, the best work is done anyways, Michael, and you've modeled that out uh, for me. Um, and I just wanted to throw out there that somebody that I respect a great deal, um, who was an emergency room doctor for 25 years, and uh, he watched the comings and goings in emergency rooms for years, and he's, been, he's done a lot of spiritual work, is he said that in the last five or six days, and I'm not a uh, astrology guy or anything of the sort, but he said something cosmically has happened in the last five or six days that like a had like a full moon effect on sensitive people. And I found I found that interesting because I've talked to a number of people that I would classify as sensitive that have had uh, turmoil. You know, even you, Michael, described what you you went through uh, recently. That was in the last few days, right? It was, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just found that that interesting, and it was a little bit comforting as well. But that's all I had on that. And thank you for the feedback, Gail. Cool. And Jeannie had some feedback for you. Have you got Jeannie on, uh, Michelle? Hi. Okay. So, uh, Ron, I just had a question since, or Dave, now I'm getting your names. Um, David, I had a question. you had mentioned about staying home all the time and uh, being with your daughter probably more than normal. And I just wondered if you'd been able to process with her some of the feelings that were coming up for you because, you know, being genetically connected but being in your space a lot during the day maybe, um, she's going to tap into that terror and fear. And I was just wondering if you'd been able to process all of that with her. Thank you. And I have been working with her. And um it's been fortunately um, the times when I have had the intensity come up for me um, when she's been at school or asleep, but also um, I have talked to her about what's going on um, with the loved one and, you know, the person we care about and what's going on, you know, how that, um, brings up stuff. And then I also took her to see Dr. Ron, which is, um, who treated her as well last night and, uh, and my wife as well. And, uh, that I felt really was, um, beneficial also. And, um, Dr. Ron said that she was, uh, in a state of, um, needing some support, but, but doing quite well. And, um, so thank you for thinking of her and I will certainly continue to keep a mindful uh, sense about uh, her care because there's nothing more important than that to me. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, just I would offer um, it would probably be more beneficial to be upfront and honest with her than trying to stuff it down and pretend like you're okay, you know, but just be honest with her that you're not, you know, at times. And and that's my opinion. (laughs) Michael, do you have anything to add to that one? No, it's right on track. It's telling the truth about what it is. And one of the things that strikes me as we're having this conversation, you know, if you. I think you hit your mute button again, Michael. Well, I'm not sure why I did that. Am I there? Yes. Okay. You're there now. I'm not sure why I disappeared. But if you look at some of your family of origin, and. You're not in the – we don't hear you now, Michael. There's some kind of technical difficulty. I don't know. You're breaking up, there Michael. you're back again. It must be short. Okay. I'm not sure what's happening. Let me try to see if better. Is that any better? Okay. Yes. So so the um, the difference that you've made in the work you've done in coming out of that couple of decades of alcohol and then several rounds of treatment, creating relationship, creating a conscious family, a family that has tools, a family that communicates, a family that keeps the energy clean. The difference you've made in just one generation is monumental. And that 
you know, you've given your daughter the ability to have a conversation about things like this rather than, uh, well, you know, uh, if there's something wrong, you just go to your room and I'll go have a drink. <laughs> you know, it's like what a Thank what you. a gift to give the world and to give family systems to uh, to make that kind of a difference. And I know that over the years, if I'm remembering correctly, your daughter's probably about 11 now. Yes. Yes, and, so and sometimes years, too, I've noticed. Oh, sorry. I was just to say the conversations we've had about how you're processing with her, how you're supporting her, how she's supporting you. It's just like, you know, such a, a monumental gift to give the world. Thank you. And and I and sometimes, you know, to Jeannie's uh great feedback is that sometimes this stuff can be done in metaphor. Um this morning she or last night she told me she wanted to take the bus to school today and I normally drive her. And I asked her why, and she said because one of her friends um, was all alone on the bus and she made her feel bad that her friend was alone to be with her. And I, and that opened the beautiful space for me to talk to her about, because earlier in the day she had said something to me about uh, a friend who was sad and it hurt her heart. So I was able to talk to her about her energy system and how that other people um, – can be going through something and she can take care of herself and she can bring love to those people and that um, people can trigger stuff that she's capable of doing inside herself, but they don't make her feel those things. And that I really, you know, that it's important that she takes care of her energy and she, the look on her face and the way her body changed was like magic. I mean, she just, she kind of straightened up and she went, thank you. That's pretty magical. Thank you. What a gift. Well, let's check in with uh, with Dr. Tim and see if he has anything to share. It's a pretty tall order to ask somebody to add to perfection, <laughs> which is what I would classify this call as so far. I'm just enjoying it. I'm enjoying uh, stories of the application of the tool in real-life difficult situations, and I just want to echo and applaud everything that everyone has said so far. Using the tools and being honest about what's going on for me in the moment, I really want to echo what Jeannie said about so many parents think they have to be strong for their children and hide stuff hide their reactions and emotions. And all that does is isolate their children in a sea of the energy with the the only possible conclusion being I must be, there must be something wrong with me because I'm the only one who's upset in this. So I would right. strongly recommend continuing what you've already done and just be honest and, and uh, keep applying the tools. And I'm enjoying the show. Awesome. Uh, thoughts for um, for David? Hello, Michelle. Are you there? Are you mute, challenged? I'm here. I heard you were saying something about David. So, yeah, I was um, just wondering if you had any more input uh, for the conversation from no, your actually, perspective like... and your your work, your practice. Um. I'm kind of in Dr. Tim's camp as far as that goes. Um, however, I will tell you there's a related question in the chat room right now, and um, it's along cool. the line of a mind shifter um, who is in relationship chronically with people in active addiction and um, falling into that codependent um, enabling type of pattern and is working um, tenaciously on uncovering and utilizing the worksheets. And so I think they're interested in, like, you know, really um, amping up their process related to changing and healing that um, dysfunctional behavior. 
Well, if uh, if a mind shifter specifically was being asked for, I would I would say that something along the lines of it's safe and healing for me to do my work in every circumstance would be a, a place to open uh, another practice in the mind for wherever I am, whatever's going on in my world, I can do my work. Whatever anybody else is doing, if someone else is actively practicing some sort of a, an addiction. Uh, and I'm in perfect peace, then I'm in a good place. But if I'm not, that's the space where I want to do my work, to keep, to keep looking at, you know, so often. And the more I, uh, I think about it, and I just introduced this last week, the, uh, a new word I've coined, and I've, and I've been using it for myself and found it to be useful, is that when I say I've got an emotion going, I've got hurt, I've got sadness, I've got fear, whatever, and I, I can still hold to the belief somewhere, somehow, that that's caused by somebody else. They made me angry, they made me sad, they made me afraid. But when I recognize that the energy moving in me is an energy in motion, and it's a dis-ease energy, and I realize it's a dismotion. I found for myself personally when I want to talk about something or somebody else and that's moving in me, it's helped me to short circuit and go back inside, to go back to the source of what's going on in me rather than taking the long circuitous route of talking about somebody else. It's like, well, you know, there's really nothing for me to say about you. I have a dismotion moving in me. I think I'll go inside and clean it up. And to me, it, uh, it opens a whole other level of space. And so uh, that mind shifter might be useful for dealing with any dismotions you have around uh, people who are actively uh, addicted. Go ahead, Michelle. Well, um, part of the um, conversation related to this, aren't there some ex- exceptions in terms of when the partner is being maybe physically abusive? Like where do you cross the line where they're being emotionally abusive? Or you know, maybe financially abusive. Their active addiction prohibits them from being a like full financial partner. So, like as far as dismantling, you know, a relationship while working at it, you know, I mean, there there's some exceptions, aren't there? Well, my take would be there is never an exception if there's a dismotion moving in me, an ener- a dis-ease energy dis motion, something in motion in me, then I want to be cleaning that up, whatever everybody else and anybody else is doing. Now, if I'm in a situation where somebody's being physically abusive and I'm being threatened, I'm going to do the work on my dismotions and I'm going to move out of the space. I'm going to find a way to make sure that I'm safe and secure and taken care of. That's only common sense and, and useful common sense. There's some pretty non-useful common sense to so-called common sense too. But, but yes, of course I'm going to take care of myself. But there's never an exception to if I have an energy moving in me that reflects that there's a disease moving in me, I want to be working on cleaning up that disease in me. Never an exception to that. Always, always taking care of what's going on inside of me. And, you know, there's that old saying that says, trust in Allah and tie your camel. Sometimes... You may have to step out of a certain space if there's physical threat there. Does that uh, does that get to what you were looking for, Michelle? Um, I just texted the person to just um, clarify if there, you know, if that was enough. If there's any additional questions, I actually wrote them. You know, how I would do it. Cool. Well, what about the yeah, yeah, but so. Um, I hear what you're saying about keeping yourself safe and in order to make a healthy choice, it needs to be coming from um, Rachma and getting theirs through a litter sheet. So that, that um, certainly all makes sense because obviously you've got an opportunity, golden opportunity here. So um, unless there's, you know, she might uh, give some more feedback, but there was another um, caller here with the hand up, area code 954. Shall we turn that on? We've got five minutes. I'll tell you what, let's just check and see if Ron has any, uh, uh, or Dr. Ron, thinking Dr. Ron, if David has any other thoughts for us before we move to another call or any other support we can give you. I am delighted uh, with this call, honored to be part of it, and would like to hear what the next caller has to ask. Awesome. Let's go for it. 
954, you're on the air. Give us a name. Where are you calling from? Thanks for calling. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear Monica. Me? I yeah. can hear you loud and clear, Monica. Good to hear your voice. It was good oh, to talk please. with you yesterday. Yeah, I, I just, um, today has been amazing. All the calls this past week have been amazing. Uh, yesterday was unbelievable. I, I, I'm in uh, uh, hospice in care at the moment. I'll be going home tomorrow. And uh, in the interim, Fabulous. they sent me a beautiful surprise, uh, a massage therapist who uh, had never heard of you before, but she has been practicing uh, a lot of what you're talking about. She went into a spontaneous still point on her own, just doing personal exploration years ago. And we were sharing amazing things while she was giving me this massage. I was in terrible pain. And by the time she was done, uh-huh. I, I would breathing again and just in a whole new place again. And I felt so wonderful. And during the night, in the midst of this feeling wonderful, there was this little kernel that I had uh, not noticed, I guess, of, of just uh, dissatisfaction or unhappiness or whatever. And I've been experiencing all week this stuff coming up, being really, really, you know, happy and, and unhappy. And I understand totally that it's down to stuff I've created, down, down to stuff that I put there so I can work it out. And having worked it out, then the next thing comes up and the next thing comes up. So this morning there was an opportunity, if you want to call it, I call it an opportunity, to uh, have a little intense mix-up with, with one of the people working here. And it was bad and good at the same time. It was bad and the feeling was bad, but great. And then I recognized totally that it was something that I needed to work on, to, that I created about abandonment and about revenge and not getting my way in control and all that good stuff. And now mm. I feel that edge starting to come up. I know something else is, is moving further, and I can't wait for the next piece to come. I'm just enthused. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and I acknowledge you for drawing somebody that has that kind of awareness that when you're in that kind of intense you know, physical pain, that you've got someone there who can really hold that space and be that space of love with you to move through and work through that is is pretty awesome. Yeah. Very, very blessed. And Good I know there's more to come. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had uh, had to put myself in a situation where I was bedridden, unable to use both of my arms, <laughs> so I would sit still long enough. Regulatory speech has been something I've been very aware of the past day. And I find not having any input, I don't need to have conversations with people now. I need to listen to the conversation that's already going on inside and see where that's taking me and then listen, truly listen to what others are saying and where they're saying it from because it's always a reflection in two directions. Not not just from one person to another, but back and forth, and it's a new opportunity to find something for both. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, yes, to be able to go inside and be with yourself is a huge gift that, you know, most of, I think most of our, uh, our Western culture, our so-called culture, has been set up to avoid having to do that. And so... It sounds like you've put yourself in a position where you have to do it, and I, I acknowledge you for going for it. Yeah. Just, uh, pray for more opportunities. Going to keep listening and going to. I can, obviously, not being able to write, I can't write out the worksheets, but I know them mentally, and I've got them available on my iPod, and I'm just doing them verbally, mentally, every day, through the awesome. day. Fabulous. Well, we're here holding the space and delighted to hear your voice any and every time we get to hear your voice. And I'm looking forward to getting that uh, letter about Brandon. In the meantime, we're down to just the last few seconds. So I'm going to say thank you to everyone for participating in the show. And uh, if it's meaningful to you, if what has been said here has been meaningful, please, you know, there's an MP3 that will be available shortly. Pass it on. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm not content you are clean.
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.